Welcome to Brazen, the podcast where we explore how we can access the health and happiness available to us when we take ownership over our lives and decisions. We are your co-hosts, Callie Hughes and Valerie King-Maller, and together we're going to explore how we can live a more bold, curious, and vibrant life through positive psychology, transformational coaching, and functional wellness. Let's get started. So in today's episode, we wanted to kind of talk about something that we both have felt. And it's kind of just this fight, I guess, between being intentional and living on purpose and being invested in all the decisions that you're making. But how can you do that without just like completely burning out in our current life that we're living in? And this whole topic came up because Val and I text each other every day and we are always sending these funny or ridiculous memes back and forth. And I found this one on Facebook or Instagram. I can't remember, but it said, this year has been so ridiculous and weird that I don't have the energy to be surprised anymore. A portal to another world could open up in my kitchen and I'd be like, well, I guess this is just another thing I'm going to have to learn to live with. (laughs) And we were just talking about it and how we both kind of in that same headspace. It's like we've had to deal with so many changes and 180s and different situations and things come up and we're shut down and we're working from home. And, you know, it's just this constant state of adaptation and like we're always having to be on guard for like the next thing. And so I think it's natural that we kind of just disengage and we're like, okay, here's another thing that we have to deal with and just go with the flow. It's like a psychological protection mechanism. But the topic of today's conversation came up because I posed the question to Val Like, how can we stay engaged and continue to make intentional decisions with our life, but not put ourselves in a situation where we have the potential to have like psychological harm just because there is too much stuff that we need to adapt to and like our brain can't handle it. So Val, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I think that there is a vast majority of people out there who feel this way to some degree and we need help. Girl, help us. Yes. (laughs) As you probably remember when you sent me that meme, I sent you back about like 80,000 texts with tons of exclamation points. And I mean, I do that anyway, but in particular, this one really resonated with me because it's something that comes up in coaching all the time and something I've personally felt. And it is a difficult thing because I think we expect that we can function at the same level that we were pre-pandemic. And just the reality is, no, like things are changing all the time. I'm spending, you know, significant amounts of time doom scrolling and, you know, Mm -hmm. spending too much time reading all the craziness that's happening And even if we're semi 
outside of a pandemic. I don't even want to say that, but we still have the lasting effect of our worlds have been completely shaken in the last two plus years. So I think, you know, the first place to start is to give yourself some grace and not stress about it because I think that adding the stress on top of everything else just essentially will steamroll you and just force you to disengage because you just can't keep up that level of stress. And I think just recognizing that everyone's going through it and that you can't have the same standards that you did pre-pandemic. And I think also like understanding that when you're sort of daily routine has been so shaken up and things like, you know, homeschooling or working from home, or even if you're back in the office and everything, it's a different world. (laughs) And I think just recognizing that your routine used to be your anchor point and now you can't really count on it. So you are like constantly adapting. And I know that the first week that I was working from home when the pandemic first started, I knew like immediately that I had to set some ground rules for myself because I knew that I would just flounder (laughs) with that much, not necessarily freedom, but just that much uncertainty. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I set some like very minor habits that I knew that I needed to like, you know, when I first woke up in the morning, I showered and got dressed (laughs) and made sure I was like, you know, in some way, just anchored by that particular activity. So there's some little things we can talk about. But I think the first one is absolutely to just give yourself some grace and forgive yourself if you have a little bit of brain fog, or if you are forgetting things. I feel like I hear that from every single one of my clients, like I just Mm -hmm. can't remember anything anymore. And just knowing that that's a part of just your brain being so overwhelmed and just having to filter all these new things <laughs> in your life and things that are unknown and having to kind of adapt to that. So I don't yeah. know if you have any thoughts on that too. Or- yeah, I mean, it definitely resonates a lot with me because I'm the kind of person who, you know, expects me to be operating at peak performance all the time. And so it's, you know, I think really hard for people who struggle with perfectionism and people pleasing to take a step back and be like, okay, I can't do everything. And my brain is in overload right now. It's dealing with this, for lack of a better term, kind of a traumatic situation. Like we're dealing with stuff that we've never had to deal with before. And it takes up so much brain power for us. It's really emotional and psychologically taxing. And there's just so much uncertainty that I think it really kind of makes us predisposed to going into these mental tailspins. And so, yeah, I love the point, you know, number one is just give yourself grace. Like, don't expect that you're going to be nearly as functional as you were under normal circumstances before 2020 (laughs) (laughs) and just rest in the knowledge that we're all in the same struggle to varying degrees. So, you know, it's not just you, it's all of us. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's a great opportunity to, I mean, it's hard to find positives in a lot of things, but I think it's a good opportunity to reevaluate who we are as a culture the fact that we were operating at such a high level that 
we just were totally thrown off our feet (laughs) when something like this happened. And I think it's just, like I said, a great opportunity to just look at our lifestyle and our culture and what kind of things we prioritize, just seeing that we're all, like I said, thrown off. So, And I think another thing is that so many of us, I think, realized that we are operating in a really unsustainable way, but we don't know what it looks like or what it feels like to do things differently. Because, you know, I think so many of us had different circumstances that came up over the last couple of years that really brought to our attention how close to the end of the rope we were and how easy it was for one little thing to just push us over the edge mentally and emotionally. So I think that is part of, you know, the big cultural shift that we have going on around the workplace right now. Workers are realizing that we need to change the way that we're doing things in order for it to be sustainable and healthy for us in the long run. So is there anything that we can do to kind of help ease us along as we kind of figure out, I hate the term new normal, but, you know, we're trying to find our footing. How can we make that a little bit easier on us? I think the reverse is like, you don't want to languish either. Like, and so I think while you should forgive your current state, you can't just kind of go on to the other spectrum of just not doing anything. And I think the key is to set some micro habits and routines that anchor your day. So, you know, a morning routine and an evening routine, it's just a great way to eliminate some decision fatigue in your life. So you know in the morning that this is what your morning is going to look like and you know that this is what your evening is going to look like. And then the rest of the day can kind of just happen how it's going to happen. But you'll at least have that to kind of anchor you. And I think it also gives you a sense of purpose. And, you know, like I said, when I first started working from home, I mean, my purpose may be making a cup of coffee and taking a shower, but at least I've like accomplished something instead of just kind of languishing throughout the day. So I think that's huge. And then I would say the next step is setting some micro goals for yourself. And I think it's really important always to have long-term goals, but not necessarily to focus on the super long-term because you don't know what's going to change. And it's very difficult to get motivated by that. So like setting some short-term goals for yourself, like, you know, as you probably remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was making sourdough and (laughs) learning a new (laughs) language. And I think that stuff is amazing. Like it does give you a sense of purpose. So I think those things are, you know, really helpful. And even now that we're not necessarily in lockdown, like you still having those like little daily habits are really, really helpful and little like goals that you have each day keep you motivated and keep you moving forward. And, you know, as I said, the routines kind of keep you anchored as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm a big list person. And so I find that having a set of big goals for my day, along with my to-do list of everything, it really helps me to focus on what the most important things are and streamlines my mental process to a point where it feels easier, I guess, for me to kind of 
get started and get that daily momentum. Yeah, I love the three priority list, which I just, you know, every day, it's like the three things that I need to do to feel that I've accomplished something. And as the to-do list culture, where our to-do lists are <laughs> multiple notebooks, as opposed to just a one-page thing, that is a really freeing concept of what are my priorities and, you know, or setting some sort of intention for the day. It's much more achievable. It allows you to prioritize. You can say no to more items that aren't particularly priority for you. And it just kind of gives you, like I said, that freedom to just be able to focus on what's important for you that day. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah. love that. <laughs> Something that I like to do is, you know, I'm a big fan of intentions rather than resolutions. And so I always like to set an intention at the beginning of the year, which is usually one word or a short phrase that kind of guides my decisions throughout the course of that calendar year with the end goal being like a certain feeling or, you know, place that I want my life to be in. It's not a goal that's like set in stone though. So it's kind of different in that way. But then what I do is I kind of break things up into quarterly goals and then monthly goals and then weekly goals. And then Like I always try to put everything back to, is this serving my intention? And so I even go so far as to make my three things that I want to accomplish that day refer back to that intention that I have set, you know, is this going to bring me closer to my intention for the year or for the month or whatever it is for you? So that's a good little tip if you need some structure, some ideas on how to kind of make that look more, you know, concrete. Yeah. And this might be a little bit more nebulous, but I think also that ties a little bit to core values and talking about what your core values are. It's a good exercise if you haven't done it before, but choosing three to five core values kind of works with your intention and, allows you to prioritize what's the most important in your life and whether that lines up with, you know, your yearly intention or your Mm -hmm. monthly. So I definitely recommend doing that as well. Yeah, totally. How can we kind of use our core values to inform how we're living our life as opposed to, you know, sticking close to that massive to-do list like we're so used to. What does that look like? So I think with the core values, it is a way to make both small and big decisions in your life. And for example, if freedom is one of your core values and you have a very structured job and you have a very structured day and you've kind of forced yourself into this box of too much structure, you're not really going to thrive and it's not going to feel like a great fit for you. And so I think finding ways that you can maybe build in some more freedom into your day or maybe this isn't the job for you if it's too structured and being able to just use it as your own guiding principles. Because sometimes I think, particularly in the last two years, it's been so hard to make decisions. I just, you know, in terms of like, we don't know what's happening in the world. We don't know 
what's going to change tomorrow. So having these are like your own little blueprint of, hey, this is what I want my life to look like. So I think it can really help, but it can also just be on smaller scale, your day-to-day activities, making sure that you're sticking with those priorities Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So a little while ago, you talked about, you know, having like a morning routine and an evening routine. Is there anything specific that you usually recommend to your clients to incorporate into that so that they can be set up to resist the effects of stress or overwhelm or burnout? Yeah, I think that, you know, positive psychology talks a lot about positive interventions and there are activities that can help boost your happiness level, but it's not that happiness level that comes from like having a really good dinner kind of thing. It's a more lasting feeling of contentment. And I think that it's usually like a different daily activity can help to lead to more resilience. So if you're boosting your happiness baseline, you're going to be more resilient to changes in the world. And the best way to accomplish that is to come up with three to five activities that you do generally speaking, on a daily basis that can lead to just a little boost in your happiness level. And so just to back up a little bit, genetics kind of plays a big role in your baseline happiness, but Mm. it's about 50% of your happiness. But you have the potential to boost your own happiness by 40%. And that's usually by day-to-day activities. And then Mm -hmm. the other 10% are things that we think are going to make us happy, but don't like money or a different job or whatever, (laughs) the sort of external things. So an example of a positive intervention would be starting a gratitude practice. And that can be just writing down three things that went well today. I prefer to do it with my partner and we just talk about it over dinner, like what went well for us today, because it's also a shared kind of community activity as opposed to Mm -hmm. just a solitary one. But a gratitude practice has been shown to have one of the strongest effects on your day-to-day happiness. So, you know, it's, it's important because for you to spend some time exploring these positive interventions because different ones work more strongly for each individual. But developing some various positive activities into your day can ensure like a more resilient future. So it's definitely recommended that you practice them and see what works best for you. Yeah, I love that. And I think I also do family gratitude practice. And I really have been trying to get my kids involved because they're both young. And so I'd love to instill this habit in them early so that as they get older, it's kind of just a natural way that they think. Like all of their neural pathways are wired to look for the positives in their life and be grateful for them. So we like to just go around the table and talk about one thing that we're grateful for today. And it's really fun to hear what a two-year-old and a five-year-old are grateful for. (laughs) I was just thinking that that would be adorable. It's really cute. (laughs) It's adorable. (laughs) And it's really funny. You know, I've also heard of 
having a jar that your family keeps. And, you know, whenever you do something that was really fun or have something that you're really grateful for, just any like really good thing that happens in your everyday life, you put it into the gratitude jar. And then it kind of makes a fun end of the year, New Year's Eve activity for your families to go through your gratitude jar and reminisce on all the awesome things that happened in the past year. That's such a like perfect example of a positive intervention too, because on top of that, it combines gratitude with the element of having a shared activity with your family. And then it's also something to look forward to. And it also like prolongs the good feelings because you're Mm. not only just writing that slip at the time, but then you're rereading it at the end of the year. And also traditions can be really, yeah, really fun. So that's a really awesome way to do gratitude. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And actually, I think that's something that we're going to start too in our family because it just sounds so nice, you know, and we have a bunch of cookie jars in our house that we're not using because, you know, they're gone before they can make it into the jar. Yeah. So (laughs) an alternative use for your cookie jars, folks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that this was a really good conversation. And it really helped to kind of give us some concrete things that we can do so that we're rolling with the punches without completely feeling like we're just getting steamrolled by life. And we're able to take some of that power back that we may have felt that we lost in the last couple of years and invest that power into doing things that are going to help us to live a happier and healthier, more positive and grateful life going forward. So just to recap, the things that we can really focus on to not get steamrolled by life while still being flexible, to have grace with yourself, know that you're not the only one who's not operating at peak capacity and just, you know, meet yourself where you're at. Create a buffer with some morning routines and evening routines and just kind of systematize and operationalize, for lack of a better word, (laughs) parts of your day to eliminate decision fatigue so that you can better cope with the twists and turns and curveballs that happen inevitably throughout every day. Lean out of productivity culture. Stop obsessing about your to-do list that's five miles long. Focus on just creating three things that you need to do in order to move you closer to your goals or your intentions. And it's really important to also just know what your core values are. So if this is something that you as a listener think that you could benefit from having some clarity on, you can go to our website and download a worksheet that's going to walk you through how you can find what your core values are. That's really helpful. And the last one was just to start creating some positive interventions in your life that are going to help boost your resilience against stress and burnout. And one of the best positive interventions that you can do is start a gratitude practice of some sort, however it works best for you or your family. So that was super helpful and really insightful. And I think it's so helpful for people to hear how you walk your own clients through this process. 
But yeah, so go to the website, which is helloglowcoaching.com and download that workbook for your core values so that you can get started on this today. We are so grateful that you have been here listening with us for this episode, and we hope that you will join us back next time. And in the meantime, live a bold, curious, and vibrant life. We'll see you soon. Thank you.